Good morning, congregation. Welcome to the morning service here at Providence Free Reformed Church. And we uh, extend a special welcome to any of you amongst us who may be visiting. May we have a a good hour together and worship the Lord God. Um, Our pastor, Dibbet, will be uh, bringing the word today. And... uh, we don't have much in the way of, what's, of course you have one. We have one thing uh, uh, as far as the announcement is that Jacob and Cassidy Young are pleased to thankful and thankful for the safe arrival of their daughter named Emery May this past Friday. And uh, our call to worship this morning is from Psalm 143, Psalm 143, verses 5 to 8. I remember the days of old. I meditate on all your works. I muse on the work of your hands. I spread out my hands to you. My soul longs for you like a thirsty land, Selah. Answer me speedily, O Lord. My spirit fails. Do not hide your face from me, lest I be like those who go down into the pit. Cause me to hear your loving kindness in the morning, for in you do I trust. Cause me to know the way in which I should walk, for I lift up my soul to you. Um, uh, we are now sing uh, uh, of, uh, from Psalter 391, which is the related Psalter for this psalm, verses 1 to 4, after which time we'll have a moment of silent prayer.
Dear congregation, as we gather in worship, we acknowledge that our help is in the name of the Lord, who has made the heavens and the earth. Amen. Hear God's greeting to us. Grace, mercy, and peace be unto you from God our Father, through our Lord Jesus Christ, in communion with the Holy Spirit. Amen. Let us continue our worship with singing from Psalter 350, 350, and we'll sing all stanzas.
To congregation, let us hear the law of God as we can find recorded for us in Exodus 20. And God spoke all these words, saying, I am the Lord your God who brought you out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of bondage. You shall have no other gods before me. You shall not make for yourself a carved image, any likeness of anything that is in heaven above, or that is in the earth beneath, or that is in the water under the earth. You shall not bow down to them, nor serve them. For I, the Lord your God, am a jealous God, visiting the iniquity of the fathers upon the children to the third and fourth generations of those who hate me, but showing mercy to thousands to those who love me and keep my commandments. You shall not take the name of the Lord your God in vain, for the Lord will not hold him guiltless who takes his name in vain. Remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. Six days you shall labor and do all your work, but the seventh day is the Sabbath of the Lord your God. In it you shall do no work, you nor your son nor your daughter, nor your male servant nor your female servant, nor your cattle nor your stranger who is within your gates. For in six days the Lord made the heavens and the earth, the sea, and all that is in them, and rested the seventh day. Wherefore the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and hallowed it. Honor your father and your mother, that your days may be long upon the land which the Lord your God is giving you. You shall not murder. You shall not commit adultery. You shall not steal. You shall not bear false witness against your neighbor. You shall not covet your neighbor's house. You shall not covet your neighbor's wife, nor his male servant, nor his female servant, nor his ox, nor his donkey, nor anything that is your neighbor's. Jesus summarized the law in Matthew 22 with these words, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. This is the first and great commandment, and the second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. On these two commandments hang all the law and the prophets. In response to hearing God's law, let us sing Psalter 120. 120 uh, stands at three. Light and truth my way attending, Send thou forth to be my guide, till thy holy mount ascending, I within thy house abide. And what follows the Psalter 120 stands at 3. congregation as we unite in prayer just one note uh, in the bulletin regarding 
Ken and Jana Pennings. We will celebrate your birthday next month, Lord willing. And uh, so it's not today, it is next month, October 4. And, um, but in advance, uh, we, we uh, recognize better now than, late, than uh, later. <laughs> so let's uh, unite our hearts in corporate prayer. O Lord, our Lord, how excellent is your name in all the earth. Lord, you have set your glory above the heavens. And, and we recognize your transcendent glory as it is revealed to us in your word, Lord. And yet we can't grasp it with our minds, our imaginations. And yet, O Lord, we do know your nearness and your presence in an intimate way as especially as your people and as the creatures that you have created in your own image for lord you identify with us in such an imminent way in such a close way so close, a matter of fact, that you have given your only begotten Son, our Lord Jesus Christ, to suffer and to die, to carry the burden of our sin, to despise the shame, and now to be seated at your right hand, that we might have an anchor in heaven. And from there you send forth your Holy Spirit to anchor to us, your people, with an unbreakable bond, granting unto us an unshakable kingdom. We stand in absolute amazement at the truth of the gospel, and we worship you, O Lord, for it. We worship you, Lord, for who you are, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And we gather in worship to praise you and to call upon your name, especially, Lord, as we recognize how dependent we are upon you. May we always know that you are a ready help, a present help in times of trouble, that you are with us. And, Lord, as we bring our afflictions before you and as we bring our joys before you in thanksgiving. We pray for hearts that understand who we are and what we deserve as we do so. And so from the depth of our hearts we give you thanks, O Lord, for the countless undeserved blessings that we receive from your hand. We give you thanks, O Lord, for and with our sister Mary Grunaway who hopes to celebrate her birthday this week, Saturday. Lord, continue to be with her and cause her to be a blessing among us. And may we rejoice in all the days of our life and may we give thanksgiving also for another birthday for one of our most senior members. We give you thanks, O Lord, and pray for a blessing also on on the everyday events in our lives. And as we celebrate birthdays and anniversaries and weddings and, and births, then we recognize, O oh Lord, that 
all of life is precious in Your sight. And we, we gather together this morning and reflect on that as well when we think of the newest member of our congregation, Emery May DeYoung. And we give thanks with Jacob and Cassidy that all things could go well in the birth of little Emery. We ask, Lord, that You would bless her and her family and, uh, together and that they would be encouraged with Your faithfulness and Your graciousness unto us and to them. Be with all of our expecting mothers and grant unto each one strength and endurance to carry to full term and that, that You would be pleased to bless and minister even to the children in the womb. For Lord... They have souls created in Your image after Your likeness. And we give thanks, O Lord, and praise You for the desire of parents to raise children in the fear of the Lord. And we pray that You would continue to bless them in doing so and be with, be with those who <coughs> desire children and those who desire to have children granted unto them either through birth or through adoption or other means. We pray, O Lord, that You would bless each and every one and that You would strengthen each one to carry uh, the responsibility of raising children in the covenant bonds that You have granted unto us. Be pleased, O Lord, to bless (coughs) those who are impacted by the reality of the brokenness of this life the reality of sin and its consequences. Lord, that they would be strengthened. We pray for those who are widows and widowers. Those who on holiday weekends recognize that empty place. Those who are burdened because of the loss of a loved one. Those who have memories of the loved one that you have taken unto yourself and sometimes have the floods and the waves of grief flood over their souls. Strengthen them. Care for them. Be close to them, O Lord. We ask, O Lord, that you would be mindful of those who are also in nursing care. We thank, Lord, of Itty Bargeman, and we praise you and thank you that uh, she has... uh, recovered well in the past weeks from COVID, and those also on her floor have recovered from COVID. And Lord, as, as the, the anticipation is that they will be uh, released from uh, the isolation on her floor, we pray, O oh Lord, that you would uh, bless her and encourage her and all those who were on her floor with her. We pray, O oh Lord, that you would be pleased to be with those who are Uh, going through other trials. We think of Tina Vandenberg. We think also, Lord, of a list list of people. We we think of Bill and Chris Jansen and Sue DeYoung and Jeff Wagensfeld and Bill Brunsfeld. Uh, Lord, and the ongoing needs also of Ken Rouse and Art Prisk and, Lord, many other crosses and burdens to bear within our congregation. May we identify with them as those also who are in the flesh. And may we come alongside those who are suffering and grant encouragement. But Lord, may you grant 
your encouraging presence with them. Granting also to doctors wisdom in dealing with those who, who have trials and difficulties. Lord, give direction and guidance to the betterment also of their health. But most of all, Lord, grant that peaceful presence, that pa- peace that passes all understanding to each one in the midst of affliction. And so, Lord, as we turn to your holy word, bless us richly as we seek to expound upon it. And grant us, Lord, a rich measure of your Holy Spirit in speaking, in hearing, and applying your word to our lives. Grant unto us, O Lord, a blessing also on our offering that we would offer from our hearts unto you and to your service, and that you would be pleased to use these offerings to the building up of your kingdom. We ask, O Lord, that our lips would render your praise that flows from our heart and that you would continually teach us to pray. And so, Lord, go with us, not because we deserve it, but for Christ's sake. For it is in his name we pray. Amen. This time your offering will be received for the Lord in his service. Following our offering, we will sing Psalter number 371, 371 in uh, preparation to hear the word of the Lord. May the Lord bless you and your gifts in this morning.
Dear congregation, let us turn in God's holy word to Epistle to the Hebrews, chapter 13. You can find it on page 1384 in your pew Bible, page 1384, Hebrews 13, and we'll read the first six verses. Let us hear God's holy word. Hebrews 13, verse 1. Let brotherly love continue. Do not forget to entertain strangers, for by so doing some have unwittingly entertained angels. Remember the prisoners as if chained with them, those who are mistreated since you yourselves are in the body also. Marriage is honorable among all, and the bed undefiled, but fornicators and adulterers God will judge. Let your conduct be without covetousness. Be content with such things as you have. For he himself has said, I will never leave you nor forsake you. So that we may boldly say, The Lord is my helper. I will not fear. What can man do to me? Amen. May God bless the reading of his precious and infallible word and also add, Uh, His blessing to the exposition of it. Dear congregation, as we come to the last chapter in Hebrews, we find uh, many practical exhortations, commands, as the author to Hebrews counsels us on how to live, motivated out of the grand truths that he set before us in this epistle to the Hebrews. In other words, what... You talk about this in in way of biblical exegesis. You talk about God takes the indicative or the things that are the the matter-of-fact truths of who He is and what He's done. So He takes that and then He applies that in way of an imperative, in way of a command. How should we live out of these truths? Or you could look at it this way. He looks vertically to what we have in heaven, namely our Lord Jesus Christ, the very anchor of our soul, to how we then live horizontally by His Spirit here on earth. And He always reminds us again and again of the vertical because He says, so that we may boldly say, the Lord is my helper. Because He was with us. He will never leave us. He will never forsake us. And so this mixture of the vertical or vertical relationship with God and our horizontal relationship with others is inseparable. That's the point that he wants to draw as he comes to the end of this epistle to the Hebrews. And so today as we look at these first of three exhortations uh, in the first three verses, then we will we, we recognize that we want to have just a quick framework. I don't want to rehash everything that we've said, but I want to give a a quick framework of those truths that he set before us that would really motivate him to say, let brotherly love continue and what follows. The first one, the first thing I want to draw to our attention from our study in Hebrews is this. There was an audience, and there is an audience, to the epistle to Hebrews. And that audience 
in way of the author writing to them, were those who were those who were sometimes spiritually challenged in many ways. There were disagreements among themselves. Remember, these were Judaizers. These were people who who had grown up in the Jewish faith and had all of the Jewish traditions and all of the things that that were that were part of the temple worship and and now the author to Hebrews is addressing them and saying God in these times past has spoken to us in various ways but now is speaking to us through his son and this is going to radically change how you view God and how you worship God and so as these discussions and these challenges would take place, they had to let brotherly love continue, as it were. Um, You think about the other challenges that these Christians had. Uh, These challenges of being persecuted. These challenges of, of being publicly scorned. These challenges of suffering and all the frustrations that would have came with that, causing divisions among them. And so, as you look at this audience of these Hebrew Christians, maybe not much different than audiences throughout history, and maybe even for some today, you can understand why he begins these exhortations with let brotherly love continue. Secondly, what we've learned from Hebrews is that Jesus Christ is superior to all things. He's superior to the prophets who spoke in the Old Testament. He's superior to those angels who who were mediators, as it were, between God and man in in the Old Testament. He's superior to kings of the Old Testament because he's a king on Mount Zion. He's superior to the high priest even because he is the ultimate high priest. And he gave a superior sacrifice, one that doesn't need to be repeated again and again and again. He is superior to all things. And Jesus Christ is the only one who is sufficient for salvation. So sufficient in atonement that we can come boldly to His throne of grace to obtain help and grace and mercy in times of our need. So sufficient that as we draw near to Him, He draws near to us and He spurs us on in that race of faith. He equips us as He cares for us. Through that living way that He is prepared so that we might draw near to God. That living way that He prepared through His own flesh as He come and He dwelt among us, as He gave Himself as a sacrifice for our sins. And as we know these truths, and we experience them when we come boldly to His throne of grace, He gives us the grace to run that race looking to Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith. 
ultimately because He has secured that relationship with His people through His sufficient work. That relationship is so close that we saw last time He gives us an unshakable kingdom. A salvation that is anchored in heaven by our Savior who has ascended there and now is seated at the right hand of God. And He comes and He anchors Himself to us as His people by His Holy Spirit to make us sons and daughters of the living God. To bring us into the kingdom of God. To bring us into the city of the living God. To call us the church of the firstborn. So secure is that relationship that the first words and way of exhortation out of His mouth is this. Let brotherly love continue. I want to title this message Final Counsel. I mean by that is Final Counsel from the author to the Hebrews. Final Counsel, Love, Hospitality, and Compassion. They aren't necessarily three points, but we will work through them as we work through the Scripture. And you'll see how You have to have them all. It's a package of love. Final counsel. Love. Let brotherly love continue. William Gouge wrote in his commentary on Hebrews, he said, Brotherly love is one of the fairest and most glorious flowers in the Christian garden. He says, it makes men amiable before God and man. It sends forth this sweet, fragrant savor wherever it is. What he's saying is, he's saying faith, hope, and love are these three great gifts from God. And yet the greatest of them, he says, is love because faith is, And hope, they lay hold on, they grasp. But love, it's like that open hand. It's making yourself vulnerable and open to others and and dispersing of the good that it has in it for others. And so as we think about love and brotherly love, we need to understand how it's connected to, to what has all gone before in Hebrews and this, this pastoral concern and care for these Hebrew Christians that is evident through the author. He was so caring for them that in Hebrews 3, he's, he's calling them. He says, beware. He's even rebuking them and warning them. He says, beware, brothers. He calls his brothers to exhort one another and care for one another out of love because they're in the city of Philadelphia of brotherly love. The city of the living God. This is what the author to Hebrews is driving home. The Greek word here is Philadelphia. Brotherly love. 
And in, in, in no uncertain terms, he's saying, or in other words, in certain terms, he's saying, this is dealing with the church of the firstborn. Brothers and sisters in the same faith, in love, in Jesus Christ. Those who are adopted into the family of God, who have the same spiritual father, who have the same relationship with God, and as such, ought to be love. True love. Brotherly is the easy part of defining this. The hard part and the convicting part is what is true love. True love is not some kind of fuzzy feeling that, that kind of comes and goes. And if I feel good, then it must be love. No, this is, this is love that he's, that he's showing in, in the epistle to the Hebrews as love that's shown in action. That overflows out of a heart that, that is in love with God and His Word and, and is passionate about His truth and, and yet compassionate about the souls that are set before Him out of true compassion for those sheep that are going astray and that have no shepherd as our Lord Jesus Christ has shown His love. He's revealing that love is is selfless and it's unconditional. It's a love that doesn't ask what's in it for me. It doesn't, it's not a love that reflects on how am I helped. It's a love that is sacrificial and selfless. It's a love that doesn't show partiality for one person or another person. It's a, it's a love recognizing that Christ died for sinners and I am the chief of sinners. It's a love that requires a relationship and fellowship. It's a love that that spurs us on to to duty and care for those who are around us. Because we love them. Could you imagine love that doesn't flow out of a heart of love? Or even action that doesn't flow out of a heart of love. It's not going to come off very well, is it? If I brought my wife flowers on our anniversary and I said, well, it's our anniversary, honey. Uh, It was just my duty to give you um, uh, flowers. (laughs) I think she's going to be like, well, those flowers don't mean anything. The same thing when our actions don't accompany a heart of true compassion and love. This definition is really a summary of what he's saying. Brotherly love is selfless, sacrificial, unconditional, and impartial 
interpersonal actions that naturally flows out of a heart that is filled with the love of God. And he says, let brotherly love continue. He's not saying, well, brotherly love happened a couple years ago and now we don't need to worry about brotherly love. He said it needs to continue. He didn't say, okay, we reached a capacity of brotherly love and, and there's this quantity of brotherly love. Now you can move on from brotherly love. No, he says, let it continue. It needs to, it needs to permeate every thought we have of one another. It needs to permeate all of our interactions with one another. It needs to permeate our fellowship. It needs to be continual. That's why the author to Hebrews in Hebrews 10 says, do not neglect the assembling of yourselves together. It needs to be continual. And this brotherly love needs to be continual. And for it to be continual, it has to be preserved. You have to... You have to take time to preserve and nurture brotherly love. Just like your love in your relationship with your wife or your spouse. It needs to be preserved. It needs to be nurtured. And the only way you're going to be able to nurture it is to recognize all of the obstacles that are going to take it away and root them out. What's the biggest obstacle that all of us have to brotherly love. It's pride. It's pride. When we don't get our way, it's devastating. When we love ourselves, we love our ideas, we love our traditions. We love our opinions. And we love our vision. And then someone comes along to confront any of the above. We see them as people who get in our way. And our tempers flare. And what's in our hearts is exposed through our actions. Pride is the greatest obstacle to brotherly love. The second greatest obstacle to brotherly love is a love for this present world. When we love all of the glamour and all of the stuff of this world, more than we love our brother or our sister. It will destroy brotherly love. Because our desires for our own happiness and our own fulfillment through the lusting after material or drugs or entertainment or power or prestige or you want to name it, if that's in the way, if we love all of those things more than we love one another, any of those things more than we love one another, 
brotherly love won't happen. It will not be evident. And the only way we can root out these obstacles that are natural to all of us is to meditate upon what Christ has done for us and who we are outside of Christ and what we deserve outside of Christ. You see, when we come to the foot of the cross and we humble ourselves before God on an even plane with all men impartially, and we meditate upon the glory of heaven and we meditate upon the power of our God and the grace of our God and the love of our God, the tent stakes will be loosened from this earth and our desires for all of the material things and the glamour of this world and our own prideful self will all be ripped out of the ground and together we ascend to the city of God. There is nothing so contrary to our human nature than to humble ourselves at the foot of the cross with our brother and our sister in the Lord. And there's nothing that Satan hates so much as when his people do so. And there's nothing that God loves so much as when his people do so. Because then they can say, the Lord is my helper. As they practice brotherly love. And he goes on to show how that's evident in many ways. He says, do not forget to entertain strangers. He's saying, in his final counsel for brotherly love to continue as brothers and sisters in the Lord Jesus Christ, you must show hospitality. And maybe, maybe we have to back up just a little bit to remember again the audience. They lived in a culture. These Hebrew Christians lived in a culture that was quite different than our culture today. Today we have a secure um, well-established motels that, that you would feel safe in, that you would feel comfortable going to. Yes, it, it's, it's a little bit of an inconvenience when you have to uh, give and pay $100, $200 or something for a motel room for an evening, but, but you have a secure place and a comfortable bed to lie on that's safe. But in those days, that was not the case. These Hebrew Christians were living in a culture where hotels and inns were much like a brothel. And innkeepers in pagan, this pagan world were like brothel managers. And it was not a safe place to stay. And so it was important for Christians in those days to show hospitality. let alone in their culture, Christians were often ostracized, put on the marginalized in their society, sometimes even from their family. So they couldn't even gather with their family or others in their society. And, and that required Christian hospitality. 
Well, this happens. And these new Christians, we can see that in Acts, they cared for one another, they had all things in common, and yet we also know that it was abused by many people. Human nature gets in the way. And you know what happens then when you're taken advantage of once and someone overstays their welcome at your home when you're showing them hospitality and, and, and take advantage of you in one way or another, and you would say, Shame on you for doing that. But the second time you're taken advantage of, then you might start to think, shame on me. Because I'm just opening my house to people who don't appreciate it. And yet, the author to Hebrews says, do not forget to entertain strangers. Show hospitality. And actually, he's doing so because the Scriptures themselves places a high view on hospitality. I think of Romans 12, verse 13. He's saying, distribute to those who are in need and show hospitality. It's part of the Christian life of those who are renewed in their mind who have been transformed through the grace of God. I think of 1 Peter 4, verse 9, where he says, Be hospitable to one another without grumbling. Or think about the qualifications for office bearers in 1 Timothy 3. That one of the qualifications is to be hospitable. Not just for the deacons, but also the bishop or the elders. We often think, oh, elders need to be temperate and sober-minded and good behavior, apt to teach. And yes, that is true. But don't forget the one that says to be hospitable. To entertain strangers. Because by it, in the past, some people have unwittingly entertained angels unaware. And very clearly here, he's speaking about Abraham. Who cheerfully showed hospitality to these strangers who turn out to be angels. One, the Lord Himself, the pre-incarnate Christ. Or Gideon, the angel under the oak. In Ophrah or Manoah. When the angel announced to his wife and him that they would have a son, Samson. You see, what the author is doing here, he's saying the reason is this God places a high value. He prizes hospitality in His people. And these ministering spirits that He has granted unto His people, those innumerable number of angels in the city of God where we come and worship, it's not just by chance or through good luck you might receive an angel unawares, but this is such a high value on hospitality as is if, if it is entertaining strange angels unaware. 
I think we've lost something in our own culture. We've lost hospitality. When I was in Malawi, uh, these, these people are very, very poor. And um, they, they had a KFC in, in the long way where I was staying, and, and, and it just had come up, and well, only a few people could afford to go to KFC. That's how, that's how poor this society is. And that would be like a once-a-year treat. Um, one of the last nights I was there, they put on a whole spread. I had no idea they would do so. I put on a whole spread, a huge meal. Great fellowship. And, and as I'm eating this food and enjoying this fellowship with these Malawian Christians, I knew the cost of it. And I knew that this was far more than one week's wage for any one of the people there. Do the math in your head. What do you make in a week? Is it $2,000? Would you put on a spread for someone you hardly know from another country and spend $2,000? Do you think I was humbled in their company and in their presence? Do you know how many times when we take the small steps in life and show our humanity to those who are in need? Just this past week, someone pulls into the parking lot, and I, they pulled up by the graves, by the cemetery, and I thought to myself, oh, you know, someone's going to be visiting a gravesite. It happens multiple times a day. Didn't think anything of it. All of a sudden, I hear a knock on my window, and I'm startled. I go to the door, and, and somebody has run out of gas. Wanted to know if there's taxi service so he could get some gas. Well, I just said, jump in the truck, we'll go to my house and drive the jerry can, gave him some gas. And he, but just the opportunity to share with him who I am, who we are, who Jesus Christ is. How do you know what will come out of that? You see, when we open ourselves up to be to any kind of hospitality. We open ourselves up to an opportunity to share the gospel. And I know what you may be thinking already. How, how do we know who we should do that to? Because, you know, Paul talks about those who are against Christ and against the gospel, you know, anathema, and we should just shun them. As a matter of fact, 2 John says it even more clearly. Those who are against Christ, he says, don't take them into your house. Don't let them pass the threshold of your home. How do you show hospitality? Well, obviously you have to be discerning. 
If, so, if someone comes to your door and is the Antichrist, you, you don't let them in. You don't greet them. Period. If they're against Christ and, and, and they're going to impose that upon you, then obviously you have to be discerning. If you can't share the Gospel with them, for example, if you have a Jehovah Witness come to your door and they want to, and they want to talk to you about their faith and religion and, and you say, you can come into my home if I can share the Gospel with you, the Gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ, and they come into your home, no problem. But if you invite them into your home saying, yes, I'd love to hear what you have to say, even though you know that they're going to say what is a lie, you are going to be in a lot of trouble. That's not being discerning. How, how do you know? Well, if you don't know, use charity. You have to understand. And you have to have this heart of compassion. Compassion for the souls of men, women, boys, and girls of this world. And that's why the author to Hebrews says, my final counsel to you is, let brotherly love continue, showing hospitality, even to strangers, those who you don't know, out of compassion. And notice what he says in verse 3. Remember the prisoners as if chained with them. Those who are mistreated since you yourselves are in the body also. You see, the early church's compassion for those who were suffering in prison was evident through all, from Acts, through all of the epistles. Because those who were imprisoned were dependent upon the church for survival. And this early church had a, a great reputation, even within the pagan community, for caring for their own who were imprisoned. They sent gifts. They sent care packages, even to Paul in prison. They had compassion. They had compassion on those who were mistreated in this world. There's humanitarian issues in this world all over. Persecutions. And here, the author to Hebrews is, is telling us we need to have a profound, a deep sense of empathy and compassion for those who were impacted by the various humanitarian issues of this world. Yes, a compassion because of our identity in Christ as brothers and sisters in the Lord Jesus Christ. For sure, let brotherly love continue. And that has to contain this kind of compassion. But our text doesn't even stop there. Nor does the Bible stop there. As a matter of fact, we also ought to show compassion on our enemies. Why? Because of our shared humanity. 
That's what the author to Hebrews says. He says, remember the prisoners as if chained with them. Such empathy as if you were chained right with them. Those who are mistreated as you are being mistreated with them. Why? Since you yourselves are in the body also. What he's saying there is because of our common humanity. That we need to project our humanity into their situation. We need to be able to identify with them in order to empathize with them. What does that mean? That means we need to listen. In order to show brotherly love, to be hospitable and to be compassionate, we need to listen. We need to listen to the hearts of those who are broken. And we need to seek to understand and empathize with them. Do we have compassion on the prisoners? I think it's a wonderful ministry of Redemption Prison Ministry. It shows that we have compassion on our brothers and sisters in prison and those who are created in the image of God in His likeness. And we have compassion on their souls. And yes, we can give of our finances to this ministry. But do we give of ourselves to ministries like this? Do we give of ourselves when we know there are people who are being mistreated? Do we give of ourselves when we know people are hurting through humanitarian crises throughout this world? Do we have such compassion, empathy? Or has our material and our success and our health not allowed us to feel any empathy? Have we become so proud and arrogant to think that sin hasn't affected us? And I don't deserve anything more than a person in prison who has done you, can name the sin that you think is most heinous. I don't deserve anything more spiritually than that person. 
do I know the burden of sin in my own heart and own life? Can I empathize? And out of love, share the gospel with publicans and sinners and tax collectors like Jesus did. Let brotherly love continue. We have heard the glorious truths of our vertical relationship with God. In and through the Lord Jesus Christ, that new and living way. But if brotherly love does not continue, what does that mean for the vertical? So our author says, the Holy Spirit says, let brotherly love continue. Amen. Lord, we know our hearts. And you know our hearts. You know our hearts of entitlement. You know our hearts of having a closed door policy. And you know our hearts of pride that hinder brotherly love, hospitality, and compassion. Break our hearts, O God. Give us true repentance. And grant unto us, O Lord, your Spirit, that we would be renewed in our inner being, transformed into the renewing of our mind in Christ Jesus our Lord. Work mightily, O God, to the glory of your name and the extension of your kingdom. For Jesus' sake, amen. Let us sing Psalter 24, 24, which is titled Test of a Christian Character, which is taken from Psalm 15. We'll sing all three song, three stanzas of Psalter 24.
doxology be, may the grace of Christ the Savior and what follows from doxology 8, but first receive the blessing of the Lord and go to your homes in peace. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious unto you. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace. Amen.